Hello, hello, what's happening guys? Good of you to join us uh, this evening. We're, uh, I'm going to be joined in a little minute by Jared from uh, Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox and we're going to be spending the next kind of 45-50 minutes uh, chatting all about an introduction to Meisner. Uh, so we're going to be talking all about the principles behind Meisner's work and maybe some misconceptions that people have about Meisner. I think there's maybe like quite a bit of negativity that, that might go around his work um, if you haven't been involved with it. And um, yeah, we're looking to do that just in the next couple of minutes, just waiting for Jared to join me and doing all this technical Instagram live stuff. But hey, hello everybody. Hello Sharon, good to see you. Um, let me just check out adding Jared to chat just now. Here he here we go. I think. Here we go. Here he is. <laughs> hey, Jared, good. how are you doing? I'm good. I, are you sideways or I, you look sideways to me? Am I sideways? I'm not, I'm not sure, man. I've been tinkering around with my tripod thinking I've been all clever and got the right <laughs> sort of angle stuff, but maybe I've just put myself completely sideways again. So if I do that, there we go. Yeah. We now you're in yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> we tried this last year. We did a little trial and yeah. upside down trial as well. But there we go. But how are we doing? Good afternoon. Good afternoon, yeah. Jared. Over. Good evening to you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're we're nine p.m. here in the UK. Four p.m. with yourself. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Fantastic. And um, yeah. Um, we gave a little introduction as to what we were going to be talking about last night. I, I just sort of gave these guys a little introduction to the kind of things we're going to be diving into in a little minute as well. But um, would you like to introduce yourself to, to, to people? Yeah, sure. Is the uh, the audio and the video okay coming in for you? Yeah, getting you loud and clear, I think. Yeah. yeah. Let us know, guys, if you can hear us, if you can see us, that'd be great. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, I've been, as you know, we talked about yesterday, I'm dealing with the, uh, the aftermath of the hurricane all, all day today. The, uh, the cell coverage and uh, the Wi-Fi has been really spotty, so uh, hopefully it, it, oh, it, it functions well uh, for this call. Anyway, uh, I'm Jared. Hope everybody's well. Um, I think I saw Sharon, uh, a friend and a student uh, on earlier, so nice to see Sharon. Um, yeah, so I, I'm Jared Kellner. I am an actor, acting teacher, acting coach, playwright, director uh, here in uh, central New Jersey in America. And I started a, a website a couple of months ago called the Actors Approach Craft Technique Toolbox. And it's all around enabling the actors to find and learn and master various acting craft tools to help the actors do their job Techniques from Stanislavski, Anne Strasberg, Meisner, Adler, Uda Hagen, and uh, Chekhov, obviously, and a whole host of others. Um, and so I, I started posting a lot on Instagram. I really liked what Adam was posting, reached out, uh, created a new friendship, and uh, that's how we arrived here. Just wanted to get on with Adam and just talk about Meisner. I think it'll be the, the first of many discussions that I think we intend on having. Yeah, hugely, hugely looking forward to it. Um, and yeah, um, we're getting a message from a Amy, Jared, saying we're sideways. So Amy, if you could let us know, does that does that look better or worse? I don't know. We're very novice to the world of Instagram Live, but we'll, we'll go with this and we'll see if people like that. We'll, we'll go with it. <laughs> but this should be the only 
difficulties that we face tonight, people. Just bear with us. Yeah, um, nice. <laughs> yeah. um, and my name is Adam. I guess I, I kind of like, I don't show my face a lot on, on Instagram or, or Twitter, to be honest. Um, I've just started a YouTube channel as well through Unstoppable Acting Studio. So um, I hope to be connecting with you guys a lot more kind of in person. Um, but this is the face behind all the, the posts um, of Unstoppable Acting Studio. And um, I'm based here in the UK. I've uh, been involved in the acting industry for about 10 years now. Uh, I trained at Rose Bruford College down in London, where we we heavily worked within the first year on a lot of Meisner technique. Um, and um, yeah, so I've worked for various companies ever since. And just have a passion to sort of like share what I've learned over the past little while and to be connecting with this great community that, that seems to be on here on Instagram, on Twitter. And I think, um, yeah, as, as actors, we, we don't do enough of that, just sort of reaching out and connecting and, and building communities and things. So uh, looking forward to building and growing. And yeah, um, very thankful that you can, can join for this chat this evening, uh, Jared. So uh, we're going to be chatting all about introduction to Meisner Technique. We spoke about this when we first started to come up with ideas of what we might want to chat about was that perhaps the, that some people have some misconceptions perhaps when it comes to Meisner technique. They, they instantly think of Meisner, they think of the repetition exercise, they think it's a fairly inaccessible uh, thing, they don't really see how they can use it within their work and it, it sort of turns them off from diving deeper into his world and some of his philosophies which is a really really powerful thing. Um, would that be a fair thing to say? Yeah, I, I agree. I think that a lot of people that come across the Meisner technique that have not studied in a two-year program uh, and beyond that, uh, they'll take periodic introduction to Meisner, um, you know, one-day workshops, and really all that they get exposed to is the foundation exercise of repetition, and then they leave thinking, okay, great classroom exercise, just sort of you know, um, connect with the person right there, but how do you actually lift that exercise out of the classroom, put it into the work, and then they never really spend the time studying uh, for the next, you know, one to two years about what the actual approach is to come to realize that the repetition exercise is maybe the first, you know, few months, but after that really dives into a whole area of a, of a system of, of acting that they're just not exposed to. And so they, they leave thinking, okay, it's repetition and nothing else. One trick pony, not really useful. And so mm. really this conversation is to sort of dispel that myth, talk about the value of repetition as a foundation exercise, but then where does it go from there? You know, there's so much more to Meisner than just, you know, blue shirt, blue shirt, blue shirt, blue shirt. <laughs> this yeah. is it, right? This is it, a hundred percent. We've got a few comments here. Um, Amy saying that Meisner training is excellent, absolute game changer for her. Um, Joanne is asking about memorizing monologues. We're not really going to be chatting too, too much about that today, uh, Joanne. Maybe that's one for another day. Or, or us, either of us a message and we'll get back to you to answer that. Yeah, I was that, just but... going to say, yes, yeah, send a, uh, you know, a message to me directly. I actually wrote a book all on um, using imagery to uh, memorize lines. So. Uh, there's actually, it's information on my website, uh, actorsapproach.com, but just send me a message and I'll answer that question directly. 100%, yeah, we'd be more than happy, happy to help out with that. But I guess it would be quite interesting to know what, if you've joined us for the live chat today, what, what kind of conceptions do you have about Meisner already? We've heard that 
Amy's done a fair bit of it. She thinks it's excellent, a, a game changer. Just what are your honest opinions on it? Um, that would be great if you pop that in the chat just um, as we start getting talking about it today. And I think you, you touched a, a real firm point there, Jared, that all we're going to manage to do today is introduce people to these ideas. And it is really something to, to dive into, to commit to, but also to engage in the actual exercises of doing and being you know active with this right you're sure. you're not going to manage to engage with this technique to the level that you you can um just by talking about it right it's something that you definitely have to get up there and and do and to a certain extent we are limited under this current quarantine lockdown situation to be getting in rooms and doing these things so yeah. it's actually quite a nice opportunity to take a step back and and talk about his his work a little bit more hey, and yeah. Oh, hey, Jorge. Good to see you. Thanks, thanks for joining us, Jorge. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, one thing that we can do, because usually when I, when I do chats on, on Meisner workshops, we're pretty much up on, the, on our feet quite quickly, to be honest. Yeah. Um, but we can just start looking off with a bit of a background to Meisner and, and, and yeah, sure. where his, his want to start teaching his acting techniques sort of stemmed from, right? And yeah. and if memory serves me correctly, and I, I think you're much more well-versed on uh, the history of acting practitioners than I am, Jared, but we're going back to sort of late 1920s New York, would that be fair to say, um, to, to go back to the, the journey of so, where it stemmed from? With uh, Yeah, the, uh, the, the, the impetus actually goes back a little bit, a little bit farther than that. Moscow Art Theater, late 1800s with Stanislavski, yeah. And really, it was the first time that the world had seen realism on stage. And so the disciples of Stanislavski that came out of that eventually in the early 1900s, mostly 1930s and 40s in, in the US, where you had the group theater that was founded by Harold Klerman, Lee Strasberg, and Cheryl Crawford, you know, they began a whole system of acting that at its foundation was their interpretation of the Stanislavski approach and inside the group theater, there was um, eventually a lot of infighting about one core principle of do you use your personal past life experiences to bring forth an emotional state, a character state of being in order to fulfill the script? And a lot of the actors inside the, the group theater, names like, uh, you know, Stella Adler and Sanford Meisner here, you know, uh, of note that they really began to struggle with the philosophy of using past life events. And some felt that it was psychologically damaging, emotionally damaging. And so there was a lot of infighting. Look, there's value mm. to Lee Strasberg's approach. I studied it extensively and I use it extensively and I'm never going to disparage it because it's a quality, uh, quality technique. But practitioners of the Meisner school uh, sometimes get into the, the dogma of you're only supposed to use your imagination, right? That that line of on this side of the fence, it's I can use my past events. And on this side of the fence, it's uh, I never want to use my past events, just my imagination. And you know, your imagination will take you places far greater than your actual life experiences ever will. Okay, mm. whatever wor whatever works for you. But the impulse of where Meisner started to develop his system of, of acting came out of his experience in the group theater and a core belief from him that imagination-based work is the, the truth, right? And so leave mm. your personal life out of it. You know, don't, don't bring dead grandmom experience into the work onto the stage. Sure, that's okay to go explore uh, outside in some workshops, but 
with the realism, living truthfully under the imaginary circumstances we hear as a core tenant in the Meisner system is all around leaving your personal past events uh, out of it. And so really after the group theater sort of exploded in the late 1940s, Lee, you know, Lee Strasberg went his way, Stella Adler went her way, and Sanford Meisner went his way to really create his system of acting, which at its foundation is listen and respond. Don't do anything unless the other person makes you do it. Don't do anything unless you have an impulse based upon what's being done to you. Don't have a concept about acting. Just live truthfully, respond based upon how the other person is making you feel. And that truth, your truth on stage is all that the audience ever needs to see. And it's all imagination and, and realism in, the, in that moment. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's first, so much you know, From there, all, you know, then, then all the disciples took over. No, there's so much to pick apart about that, Jared, and I think it's, it's very, very well put. And I, and I think it's it's really worth highlighting that point of what what you just said there as well. In that all of these 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 systems and these practitioners are are valid, right? That there is no one set way, and we're certainly not going to be saying from this conversation. And I think any sort of acting coach or any actor in the world saying that one set way of acting is the completely righteous path is a bit suspect, to be honest. You know, you, you've got to be open to all of these things within your toolkit to be able to be in used in, in various different circumstances. But it's worth saying that, that in amongst all this maybe disagreements that came out of the group theatre and things that, that they were all set on the same path, right, which was to explore a way to deliver sure. the most truthful acting possible. And and before that, I guess acting being a lot more about gesture, about costume, about putting on makeup, about the exterior, right? Um, about the outside rather than looking from the, the inside, yeah? yeah? More, and, and, more and, presentational as opposed to experiential. And, and, and imposing almost, right? Like like uh, the acting is acting, it is, you know, like, and, it, and this is much more looking inward and, and looking at acting from, from the heart and from, a place of truth and and that some really really exciting acting started to, to stem and, and develop because of it and and Meisner is just one part of that you know um but an ex an exciting part and 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 what makes him unique and um something you mentioned there which is that famous quote you know that acting is living truthfully under imaginary circumstances is that the Meisner starts to bring the imaginary aspect to um, living truthfully, right? Like uh, th this is the, um, I guess, a, quite a core thesis to, to his work and his his body of work that's had such a great legacy. That's um, you know during his time, I think he, he worked with like Steve McQueen, Gregory Peck, and um, you know it, it's still affecting people to this day, like James Franco, Christoph Waltz, who aren't directly working with him but following his philosophy. Um, and yeah, it might be nice just to touch a little bit on that, that niggling uh, between Strasbourg and between Meisner a little bit and, and, and what differences sort of came out of, of that. And yeah, I know you did touch on it there just, just yeah. previously as well. But this, this thought of, um, you know, do we need to bring emotional events from our life and use it um, as part of our emotional preparation as an actor? I'm looking at uh, a comment from Sharon. She wrote, uh, how do you stay true to the Meisner technique and still make your mark an obligation and keep the work fresh on an extended Broadway run? Mm -hmm. that, that, 
this is a very good question, isn't it? About 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 how do you keep things fresh again and again and again? And I I think Sharon, I think we're going to touch on that just in a little a little bit maybe once once we start talking about looking at the behaviour, Jared, right, and, and doing a little bit of this repetition sort of uh, activities and things. We we might talk about the sort of core philosophy behind that a little bit more, and that that might open your your eyes up to that a little bit, Sharon. Yeah, sure. As she said, or, or West End, and truthfully, and community theater, right? It's it's anywhere. Mm. Uh, re really, Sharon, the, the most important thing is that you are not coming to the stage with a concept. And it's interesting that, that, that you brought this up. This is actually one of my upcoming blogs that I'm writing about is exactly this. So we, we all have ideas about what the scene or the moment is supposed to be about. Right, we, we as actors, we understand that we've got a director that's guiding us to tell a very specific story. And we have a, an, an idea and a concept of what the moment or what the scene is supposed to be about. However, if that concept is dominating what you're delivering, but the reality on the stage is something vastly different, but you're holding tight onto this belief that this particular moment is supposed to be vol an emotionally volatile scene, but what's actually transpiring between the two actors does not justify that particular volatility and you play that volatility then what the audience ends up it, what the audience ends up experiencing is a moment of falsehood you create this disconnectedness for the audience because what they see doesn't align with the reality of the moment and so especially in longer term runs especially then it's so important that you are living truthfully and responding based upon what's actually happening in the moment. Yes, you have some obligations that you have to fulfill. However, the truth should always be the prevailing choice. And so if you have an obligation to be at a heightened emotional state and the stuff that's not happening in those moments before do not justify you reaching that level of emotionality, then the best choice you can do is start from where you are and then maybe you tap the gas just a tiny bit but don't don't elevate to the level of the concept your job if you need to be at a specific uh a specific emotional state because there are lines that say you know why are you so you're erupting you're crazy you're insane you're so volatile you have a very specific obligation well then you and the other actor need to work on that many many moments before not just not just that moment before the truth yeah. is so the truth is so important right so don't play the concept of the scene play the truth of the scene and the audience will appreciate that very much that's you know that, that's absolutely you know meisner based the reality of the moment the truth in the moment what the other person makes you feel it's all about that a hundred percent and and and, and it, that is beautifully true and and just Maybe to add to that is is just having that focus of bringing your attention to the to the other actor as well, right? It is like um, getting out of your head, getting out of the as you say, like what you think um, you should be bringing to the scene, and and seeing where where you and this fellow actor can can take the scene in this, yeah. this beautifully organic way, and and already you've you've got your answer, right? If you're taking yourself which which maybe comes from a an egocentric place almost doesn't it like i've got to bring something fresh and different to the scene you know and just yeah. being like right I've, I've got this i'm going to trust my fellow actor that i've got on stage and, and let's play and see you know i've done my 
emotional preparation I, I've sort of prepared before and I'm going to trust that all the, the work's going on underneath the surface and let, let's just be and let's just see and this this beautiful unpredictability can start yeah. to happen and fly and, and, and that's where real acting magic just really really starts and um, yeah of course it would be a killer if you had this extended run night after night two shows a day or whatever but I guess I guess we're jumping forward a little bit in our chat which is great just, just throw in any comments questions that you want guys but once you get the basis of this repetition exercise, once that that's like you cycling with your training wheels being on, and and then like you know once you start to ride that bike, ride that bike, ride that bike, you, it becomes so natural to you to just be engaged with your fellow actor on the stage and be noticing and observing their behaviour and being in this dance back and forth with each other, and and that um, it, it just becomes from this really natural place, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful thing. And I think going back to what Amy, I don't know if she's still here in the chat, said earlier about the game changer thing, but that to me was the big game changer once I started working with Meisner, because I was maybe like 18, 19 at the time, filled with a lot of ego as an actor, thinking out, you know, when I'm on the stage, I'm gonna deliver this perfect, perfect performance and all that stuff. And it just strips it all back, anything, intellectual that you're holding in your head, anything that you're overthinking, anything that you're overly attached to. It's a really humbling experience because you strip everything back. It's quite a vulnerable thing walking onto the stage for the first time to do that repetition exercises because you feel a little bit naked, like you've got nothing to hide behind and it's just you and the other actor in the space, you know, like and, and that to me is the yeah, beautiful, beautiful. You're reminding I mentioned this to you when, when we talked one time that um, uh, whenever I travel around the world, I always look for local acting studios to drop in. And so I happened to be in Dublin uh, with the family and I found a, a local Meisner school in, in Dublin, Ireland. And I said to my wife, you know, hey, uh, I need a, you know, I need a half a day to go. And, you know, of course, you know, come on, you're, you're with your family. I'm like, hey, I'm an actor. You know, I've got an opportunity to go sit on, sit in on a Meisner class in Dublin, Ireland. And so I watched him introduce, I watched a teacher introduce the repetition exercise to a number of new students. And, and there's a lot of fear there. You have to be vulnerable. You have to be open. You don't necessarily know what to say. And so he was encouraging a very simple phrase. Uh, and I told you, and so here's my, you know, my, my horrible uh, Irish accent. They were going back and forth with, you like that. Oh, I don't like that. You don't like that? No, I don't like that. Oh, I like that. I like that. You like that. I like that. Yes, I like that. If you like that? I don't like that. Oh, no, you don't like that. And so if you can just find a truth, even as simple as I like that, I don't like that, and just share what the other person is actually making you feel in that give and take, it's, it's the, uh, the on-ramp to truthful connectedness between two people. A simple phrase of I like that, I don't like that really bonds the two people together. And I think the purpose of the repetition exercise as a foundation is a vehicle through which you train actors to find truthful human connection, right? And if you can find truthful human connection first, you layer the words on top of that, you know, you're beautiful. But if you don't have that truthful human connection at first, it doesn't matter how beautiful you're gonna be saying the words, the audience will be experiencing some untruths on the stage. 100%. And, it, and it, it's worth bringing up at this point, uh, a famous, famous quote, right? An ounce of behavior is worth a pound of words. If, if you're not mathematical based, <laughs> the ounce way, weighs less. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, the, the, the basically, the behavior is worth so much more of its weight in gold than than the words being said. And, and I think that's a real 
flip reverse moment as well for a lot of actors that just start to venture into to Meisner's work, right? That, that they maybe have been working from a place of putting a lot of importance on the words that they're saying and the intentions behind the words that they're saying and that they're forgetting about this, this part, which is like, I don't know, it, it just seems to come from a very spiritual place almost, this sort of instinctual, real guttural sort of place, which is the, the behavior. And it, it, it just goes right down to science as well, right? That in science, how we communicate as human beings, the, the words count for very little. Like we are reading into a person as we're, as we're talking to them, we're reading into their behavior constantly. And that's how we pick up on a lot of communication. And I always give this example, like being a newly married man, if my wife is like, I'm fine. Like she, she's not actually fine. I've got, I've got to dive deep uh, under the surface there and understand exactly what's, what's going on in, in her head. And um, it's, it's no different as, as actors, right? That, the audience wants to be, I think people take for granted just how much the audience has this radar to be able to read under the surface of what's going on in an actor's intention. They, they don't want to be given it on a plate. They don't want to be uh, presented what the actor thinks they should, should be doing in that moment. They want to be figuring it out for themselves, right? And, and sometimes you get this feedback from amazing acting performances. I didn't know what they were going to do next. And that is because genuinely, of course, you've got this obligation to hit certain marks or to be living up to certain objectives as an actor. But, you know, a lot of the time the actor won't know what is coming next because they're living so truthfully within that behavior. They've aligned with an objective, what they that's want to do in that scene. Fun, right? That's what yeah. that, That's what makes those long runs fun, just never keeping you on your toes, never knowing Yes, you have to tell a, a certain story, right? You you can't selfishly go off and do something that's going to break the world of the script. You've got to be faithful to yep. what the director's vision is. You've got to be faithful to the you know to the playwright, or to the screenwriter. You've got to be faithful to that. But at some level, that sense of unknown is what makes it all fun. Yeah. Um, I, there's a question. Uh, I have I a think question Joanne... just now, and I'm learning a monologue. How would I memorize my lines? All right, well, let's just jump into this for a second about yeah, Meisner's cool. approach for line memorization. So because the intention of Meisner is to never predetermine how a specific moment is supposed to be, the way that Meisner recommends memorizing lines is like a robot, like a machine. You just memorize it without any intention of what this line is supposed to be said a certain way or a certain feeling on a given line. You just hammer those lines into your head. And there's a lot of ways to get those lines into your head, but you don't memorize how you would be performing it. You memorize it rote by rote, simple words like a robot, no intonation, just get the words in. And then when you're performing it, you actually just simply allow how you are feeling in the moment, how the other person is making you feel in the moment, be what colors those words. But the actual getting the lines into your head from Miser's perspective is just like a robot, line, 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 with no ne necessary uh, physicality or emotional intention. Mm. It's interesting mm. that the line memorization thing came up again. Um, so this is to Toner jo Joanne. Um, I mentioned before somebody had asked uh, about this. I, th I think it was Joanne. I, th I think oh. she dropped out and she's come back. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, I think so. I think so. Um, and, and, and in that sense as well, Jared, I think that's a really good point and a nice one to bring up with the line learning. Like, we are, and somebody mentioned this is such a sort of mindful technique and, and it seems such a beautiful way to act and things. 
but it's, it's not the case you just show up right and just see i'll just see what happens i just sort of like like Maislin isn't negating the fact that you need to do preparation right like um and and I guess the character preparation work you can dive into that as much as you absolutely want to but it's 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 with that thought that once you step into the rehearsal room once you step onto the stage that you you're willing to trust that it's all there and just be in the moment and I um we we had a really interesting discussion about the emotional preparation that you could maybe do going into a scene as well you kind of broke it down into, into some steps I think sure. that would be really interesting for people to hear as well how you would maybe emotionally prepare for a scene using this this imaginary circumstances that that, that Meisner was so so passionate yeah. about as well Sure yeah yeah happy to uh and s somebody wrote a uh, grocery list yeah true true um uh, I think it's Peter, uh, Peter Ryman. Hey, Peter. Uh, yeah, like memorizing your monologue, just like a grocery list with no intonation, just to hammer it in. Okay, so yeah, Adam and I were talking the other day about emotional preparation, right? So if you need to be at a given emotional state when you are entering the scene, how do you do that? What's Meisner's version of emotional preparation? And how is it different from, say, uh, say Lee Strasberg's? So, there's a whole philosophy we talked about before about using your past events or not using your past events to rise you from an emotional perspective. And so the, the method approach and early Stanislavski approach was, yes, re so sensorially recreate, re-experience, re-explore a past event in your life. And then once those senses take hold of that experience, your emotions begin to have some impulses, you then put that into the work. Well, Meisner's approach is not to relive, re-experience, re-explore an actual past event in your life. Leave your personal experiences uh, in your personal life. Don't bring them onto the stage. The playwright doesn't know who you are and your personal experiences, although they shape who you are, are not appropriate for you to lay on top of the character. It's your job rather to dig into the character, dig into the script. And like um, Stell Adler says, they elevate that character from the script. So from an emotional perspective, in order to rise you to an emotional state that's appropriate for the scene, from a Meisner perspective, it's all 100% imagination-based. And there's two basic steps to that. The first one is, in order to help you get good at doing the, in, the emotional preparation for Meisner, you go on a guided daydream starting from a place of truth in your life. So Adam had mentioned, you know, he's, you know, he's a married guy, he's got a wife, he's got a wife that he loves. And so that's a place of truth, right? So you start with the reality in your life. I'm a married man, I'm married to a woman that I've known since high school, right? And, uh, and we've been together that long and I love her. So that's a, a foundation of truth. And then you go on a guided daydream about what would happen if something happened to your wife that would cause you to have a feeling. Not an actual experience, but you start with the reality and you're like, and you go on a guided daydream. So let's say you needed, for the sake of argument, you needed to be in a state of just complete love, joy, happiness. And so you can go on a guided daydream with this wife that you have and you love as a reality in your life. And you go on a guided daydream that she just came home and she got the most amazing promotion that she's been working so hard for at work. 
She was just promoted a few levels, a, a wonderful raise. She's feeling so wonderful and validated for everything that she's done over the last few years at work. And you have so much love and admiration for her that that conversation, that imagined conversation elevates you from an emotional perspective. And once you're in that emotional state of feeling this joy, this love based on an imagination guided daydream, you then leave your wife to the side and you take that emotion and you put it into the work. Mm, so that's mm. not reliving, re-experiencing. That's using a reality in your life and going on a daydream. So after you get good, oh, sorry, yeah, you got a question. Yeah. No, no I, 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 was, I was just going to add into that. And I, and I, and I think this, this journey with imagination, right, is something that we hugely take for granted as actors, being specific and building it almost as, as a muscle um, for it to be as effective as possible. Like we maybe prefer, prepare vocally, we maybe prefer our bodies, but like we just take for granted that the imagination is there. And, and I guess the danger being, right, that, that you sort of, in that first step, start to try and engage with something that, that is unreachable, that like that isn't really... Um, That's why you start with the reality in your life, right? You have yeah, to believe yeah. it, yeah? You start with something yeah. simple. You know, yeah. like I think I mentioned to you, like you, you can't go on a guided daydream and try to fantasize about something that you just actually don't believe. Right. So you, you need it to be, you know, uh, really happy and joyful. And you, you go on this guided daydream that you've just been contacted by Steven Spielberg and you're going to be starring in his next major motion picture. OK, it's a great fantasy to have. But do you really believe it? Right. You. If you don't even believe it, it's not going to affect you from an emotional perspective that you're going to be able to use that as a guided daydream to fulfill the obligation of the script. So that's why, like, it's working your muscle. Start simple. Start with a reality in your life and go on a guided daydream to some place that you actually believe. Something that inspires you and touches your heart in some way that's attainable for you. Not something that's just, you know, off in fantasy land, um, you know, that, yeah. that really could never actually happen. Great. That's and the, first, the first stage. Yeah, go ahead. Just before we move on to the second stage, sorry, Jerry, we just we just have a question here as well. Are, are there emotional risks associated with guided daydreaming? And, and I guess the answer being to an extent, right? Like that you want to get yourself into a vulnerable place as an actor. Like, like that is where the magic happens as well, right? Yeah, sure. And I think because we know that it's, so this is a Phoenix Rising 87. So it's a, a valid question. So because we know that it's imagination based and it's at some level when you're acting, you know, if you've actually crossed over and believe that you are Hamlet, something is wrong. Like at some level, you know that you're an actor on the stage performing this role, right? It's all imagination based. And because from Miser's perspective, your imagination can take you places far greater than your actual experiences. Because it's imagination based, we have the ability to pivot that imagination, that, that guided daydream into places that are beneficial to us. Whereas, so this is one of the arguments about using past events by reliving a very traumatic past event, it could, if not um, handled in a very careful way, it could have some uh, risks to it. And that's why when you do explore uh, recreating, re-exploring, reliving your actual past events, you've got to do it uh, with caution, right? And, and that, was, that was what Sanford Meiser and Stella's, Stella Adler's um, struggle with Lee Strasberg's approach during the group theater in the early 1930s and 40s was. 
it was that reliving the, the dredging up of those traumatic events in such a way that it, it became dam emotionally and psychologically damaging to them. Mm. But we've come a mm. long way since then, and there are practical ways for us to be able to relive and re-explore our actual past events that are not damaging, and that's how we practice it today. But from an yeah. imagination perspective, if you ever feel like you're getting to a place that's, you know, quote unquote, too risky for you, well, then you have the ability to pivot that imagination to someplace that's yeah. a little bit safer for you so that you feel good about the approach. And then you, you eventually build those skills to be able to put it into the work. 100%. That, that's, that's the real benefit to it, right? The sky's the limit in that sense. So, so sorry. Step two, Janet. Sorry. I, I, yeah. Oh. Some uh, and <laughs> there are, there are, I'm just looking, there are a couple of other questions. So I just want to make sure that, uh, oh, yes. Yeah. 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 We, we didn't skip over anything. Let's see. Uh, take care of our bodies and our voices. Actors taking care of our emotional health may be something to think about as well. Taking care mm. of our tool. Yeah, look, you know, Sharon, mm. it's, it's absolutely true, right? We, mm. You are, your body is your instrument. And, you know, mm. we're talking about working out these muscles, these imagination muscles by going on guided daydreams, starting with the reality in your life and sort of fantasizing to elevate you emotionally so that you could put that into the work. That that's the work of the actor um, as homework, right? Mm -hmm. Step two mm -hmm. in all of this is leave your personal life completely off to the side, and by digging into the script and doing the proper script analysis and character analysis and developing the imagined history and world and biography of the character with inside the world of the play, you then can go on these guided daydreams as the character having the imagined character experiences, things that may never even be mentioned in the script, but things that you believe that the character may actually experience. All right, so I'm thinking about um, an Arthur Miller play, All My Sons, and the son, Chris, is he's in conflict because, um, you know, all, all of the pilots that had uh, crashed and died due to the fact that, you know, his father eventually finds out, you know, spoiler alert, his father sent off defective parts, you know, to be put into the planes. And so he's experiencing this trauma, you know, later on in the play when he discovers it. So one of the things that the actor could use as emotional preparation, if he's done his work and he didn't, has created this world of what experiences does he have, does he remember as a character about being out in war, in the, sorry for the, the background noise, I'm outside, no, no, no. you know, things that are not explicitly talked about in the script, but that the character actually, you know, could have experienced. And, and you get that through proper character analysis and proper script analysis. And then you go on those guided daydreams, right? You, you as Chris, the, the son, you go on a guided daydream about um, discussions that he had with, you know, people that he was in the, um, in the war with. The feeling 100%. of, you know, being up in the uh, the planes and, and seeing his fellow pilots, you know, crash alongside of him as he was, you know, continuing to fly and, and try to land his plane. Those things mm -hmm. are not explicitly talked about in the script, but, you know, through the imagination, you can create those experiences and then rise so yourself emotionally and put it into the work. Definitely. So before you mentioned about the traffic there, Jared, I, I thought you were so into the, the daydream oh. that we were hearing the sense of war. <laughs> All around you. you see, I thought you, I thought you brought us on a journey there, but you, you just kind of ruined the illusion good. by yeah. the traffic. No, I'm, not, I'm not that good. <laughs> yeah. All right. No, 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 no. Fantastic. Um, uh, so uh, let me. Uh, I've been doing a, a bunch of talking. So let, let me ask you. Uh, 
as you were going on your Meisner journey and you were in class, do, do you remember any sort of uh, breakthroughs that happened for you, any experiences based upon, let's you know, use the, the repetition exercise or any of the other wonderful exercises that follow after the repetition exercise, things that you, you sort of look back on and say, oh, that was a pivotal moment for me. I, I grew as an actor because of this particular experience, you know, and, and had I not explored this particular Meisner exercise, I don't think I would understand acting the way I do. Yeah, totally, totally. Um, no, that's a really, really great question. Um, sorry, just before I do, jo Joanne, um, you could use an app to, to help you learn your lines, Joanne. That that could be could be a useful thing, and I think it's just going on under the, um, you know, going with it that you're not kind of applying any emotion, any sort of objective as you were learning those those lines would be how Meisner would think about it. But if you'd like to get some more advice about learning lines or monologues and stuff do give uh, Jared or myself a little message and we'd be more than happy to talk to you in more detail about that. And, and, and we're going to focus more about Meisner in this chat. But yeah, um, so my, I guess in big, big takeaways, I, I remember the first time, and I, th I think I spoke to you about this the other day, the first time I did a Meisner exercise, it was myself and this other guy in the space. It was like the first couple of weeks of, uh, of drama school. And, um, you know, everybody was puffing at their chests, trying to show that they were the, the big I am, that they were the next best actors. <laughs> um, and we were told to just be in the space and sort of however we instinctively felt from, you know, observing and looking at the other person. We, we weren't even using words at this point. We weren't even doing the repetition exercise. It was just two people in the space and you had to physically sort of react to how that other person was making you feel. And um, the guy I was in the space with, very quickly accelerated into the fact that he wanted to come up and punch me in the face. And I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Because yeah, something I, that I, you did or not? Yeah, it wasn't anything that I did at all. I, I, like, like, I, I, I was very much like, okay, let's strip this back. Let's see what this is all about. Because we were told not to make anything interesting. We were told like not to um, you know, bring any, anything superficial in, uh, and stuff. I was like, right, okay, let's, let's just see. We could, we could be here for like half an hour. 30 minutes just standing here but he accelerated it within like two minutes uh, into wanting to punch me in the face and like he's, he's one of my best mates now he's, he's a really good friend but <laughs> at that time um that was a realization to me just just how much we can sort of impose and, and and bring into a scene um trying to control it i guess and trying to bring it in a certain way that we wanted to and then i think the next pair that came up like they started like snogging each other's faces off that's that's the british word for kissing i don't know i don't know what, what an american term would be uh for, uh, for snogging but making yeah. make, making out but yeah making out making out yeah, start yeah, making yeah. Out. Um, and then i was like well that didn't seem to come from a very truthful place as well and it was just this journey of refinement and sort of stripping back more and more and more and not feeling the need to be interesting to an audience like just exploring what what I was getting from that other actor, you know, like like receiving something and, and, and giving it back to them and, and just being in this this dance and it just felt so free and, and so liberating, like, and, and it is a practice. You mentioned it at the start of this conversation. You're not going to walk in to a one-hour Meisner session, master it, and suddenly manage to take it away into your acting life, right? You do need to go through this process. And I guess the the big starting point of the process once you get up there and start doing these repetition exercises or just like sitting in front of somebody and like observing them is it feels 
so vulnerable and so like, yeah, you do. You feel like you're just standing there with no clothes on and everybody's just staring at you. You've got nowhere to hide. But then once you once you realize that, once you, you, you embrace that and you start stripping back all the layers, it really is the sky's the limit, right? That, that you can approach, you know, almost, and, and there's times to use mice and there's times not to, right? But like, um, you can approach any role almost being like, I, I'm going to prepare my character. I'm going to do some real work on my emotional prep or whatever. But then when it comes to me and my fellow actor being in the space, like who knows what can happen? We, we, we're in a dance like together, you know, and like, um, it's, um, it's a hard way. I, I quite often get asked this question. How do I apply Meisner technique when the other actors like doesn't know about Meisner technique, you know? And like, it, to me, it, go, it goes back to this argument, you know, that, that, that like, I think as all, all of us as actors want to achieve and, and, and go towards as, as truthful uh, a place as possible within our acting. And, and I think just by constantly bringing your attention to that other person, like th they don't need to know the mechanisms and, the, and, and, and sort of the behind the scenes, what, what you're doing or what you're going through, but by, by keeping bringing that attention to them, by keep offering them opportunities, by keeping on sort of listening and genuinely listening, right? Not superficially listening, but listening to what is going on in their body, in their behavior, and, and trying to work off of that, that it kind of all naturally sort of gels together. Like I don't necessarily think another actor on the stage has to have engaged the Meisner technique for you to sort of reap the benefits from working with them, right? Would that be fair to say? Yeah, com completely agree. And it's it's inappropriate for you as a Meisner trained actor to try to teach the other actor how to you know act using a Meisner approach if they're if that's not their discipline, right? Your job is to just live truthfully in the moment. And if for whatever reason your living truthfully in the moment is throwing them off, then it's the director's job to help craft that particular scene and help the other actor through it. But yeah, I, I do find uh, I've run in, into a number of actors that feel obligated to teach the other actors how how to approach the scene through a Meisner, living truthfully, don't do anything else the other person makes you do it more spontaneous. Um, and you know that that's an abuse of the the role that you've been given, right? You've been cast to play a particular part. Do your job as an actor. You're not an acting coach. You're not a you know. You're not teaching in that moment. You're that's not your job. Right? The director's job is to help ensure that the story that they're trying to bring to life is told effectively. And if for whatever reason you living more truthfully in the moment than the other actor in that moment is causing uh, problems, that's what the director's there for, right? Yeah. To, to help shape that. Yeah, you can. Yeah, yeah, you can get in this this discussion about a hundred percent. This time is flying, Jared. Oh my goodness! I just noticed we've been on here for like fifty minutes. Um, I just, um, I, I think this is a really interesting um, point that maybe we haven't had the chance to to discuss yet, and that that is um, the, the another famous Meisner quote that um, the foundation of acting is the reality of doing right, and that quite often and I, I guess it touches upon what I was just talking about there the actors feel the pressure to be as interesting as possible to sort of be uh, doing something to be serving the audience in some way um, and um, that quite often they can veer away from the simplicity of just 
being the moment of of doing right of of being in action of being in action within an activity like they, they maybe bring elements of their head into it elements of of sort of uh, am I doing something interesting right now or whatever like but um the the people have this fear maybe that they might be accused of doing nothing on on the stage you know that they, they, they might just be like this guy's just standing there what what are they doing you know and i i think um Robert De Niro sort of famously sort of said, you know, like a lot, a lot of the time it, it should, like in life, a lot of the time we are looking like we're doing nothing, but really there's a whole wealth of things going on under the surface, right? And you can never, ever just be doing nothing on the stage. You're never doing nothing in life, right? Like we're always doing something, you know, like we're always in action, in an engaging in an activity, a thought in some way, from the moment we start, I, I don't know the stats, I can't remember off the top of my head, but tens of thousands of thoughts running through our head a day. And, it, and, it, and it's just that is, is sort of never taken for granted just how complex we are as human beings and, and the audience's ability to sort of read into us and, and our behavior that like, just the simplicity of engaging yeah. in an activity, engaging and doing something, all of a sudden, hundreds of colors are gonna start flying out there, right? Right. Yeah, so the, the quote is a really important quote. The foundation of acting is the reality of doing. And I think it's in juxtaposition to talking versus doing, right? So for sure, Meisner's approach is not about, it's not about talking. It's not, it, it's not about the everyday mundane conversation. It's not about the words. It's the subtext. It's the unspoken. It's the behavior. And so if you can get involved in truthful doing on stage, and, and truthful doing on stage does not necessarily always translate into physical movement, right? You don't need to constantly be building something, cooking something, cutting something, moving furniture, right? That's not the doing of it, right? But through doing, through behavior, through, through actually thinking through things, and not just talking, but having intentions there. We learn so much about the character, the relationships and the circumstances, the reality of like right now, you and I are looking at each other on this camera, having an honest conversation with hopes that it's resonating with the people that are watching, right? But the purpose is just, it's you and me talking. That's the doing, right? But we're not just sitting here having, uh, you know, just, just words, right? we're engaged in a conversation. The doing is a sharing of what we believe to be valuable acting information. That's the doing. It doesn't always have to necessarily be some physical doing. It's important to, to understand that. Yeah, yeah the, the doing is not always mechanical, physical. But even to break that down even further, right? I mean, you, you were talking there. The doing for me was was I was listening and, and, that, and that is a, a doing as well. And, and one that just hugely, hugely gets taken for granted, right? Because yeah. People think that the, the doing always happens on the line for them or when no. they're doing something interesting. It seems like, like to me, I love watching actors who maybe have no lines in a scene whatsoever. that are some background character, but you can see that they're listening and that you almost believe that they could talk at any minute because right. they're totally with it. Like they're in the moment and, and they've worked out like exactly why they're there, like uh, what the stand up, like. I love that. Like I really, yeah. really love it. And it is. It's just people take for granted just like how simple this this reality of doing can be, and how much color can be brought from it. Right. I see you got so, some. Um, I'm sorry. Go ahead, go on, Jack. I was going to say it's it's not that the character doesn't have something to say, 
the playwright didn't give them the lines to, to speak at that particular moment, but it doesn't mean that they don't have something to say. So as an actor, you're constantly having something to say. You're just making a choice to not express it in that particular moment. You're not just waiting no. dead, you know, doing nothing until you actually have, you know, have a line. You constantly have, you're constantly actively listening. You're constantly involved in the doing of the activity. You as a character, you've just made a choice that, you know, for now, I'm, I'm just not going to speak up. So you, you saw some other comments? Yeah, yeah. I think, um, I think you maybe said it was Peter. Um, has been in chat here. Um, I'm revisiting the improve with a class during this quarantine, and I'm amazed how close Spallin and Meisner are. With what Adam is saying now, Spallin says, Dare sure. to be boring, would love to uh, talking more about Vi this experience. Viola yeah, uh, Vi I mean, Viola Spallin is the you know, the great. Uh, the great creator of improvisation exercises, right? And so, yeah, at the, at the foundation of Meisner, the beginning part of his training, there's a lot of improvisation. There's a lot of just trusting a given scenario. You know, it's, we know what the relationship is. We know what the circumstances are in this, you know, invented exercise. And then you go and you just explore. And sure, Vi Viola Spolin and all of her techniques with the foundation of Yes, and tr trusting the the imagination, you know, not controlling anything. Uh, absolutely, there's a lot of synergies with the you know the imagination and the improvisation and the foundation the foundation part of what Meisner is all about. So yeah, it's it's spot on to to sort of compare the two, at least the beginning the beginning stages of it. Mm, mm, no, absolutely. Um, no, that's that's fantastic. Um, I think we should maybe in a second just maybe mention some like because we've only just begin to touch the surface even right on on the, the world of Meisner and where maybe people can begin exploring like if they wanted to look into this a bit further what resources what, what places might be out there for them um, I know it's Joanne I, I think first name Joanne I, I think um, I, I'm not hugely clued up on any line learning apps I do know there are a few available I, th I think I maybe sent a tweet out the other day about um, what line learning apps that are out there. If anybody has any, uh, please drop them in the, yeah, po the, the chat as I've well. Come up, like, I've yeah. come across, uh, yeah, I, there, there are some free line learning apps. You, you can just go on to uh, the app store and type in, you know, uh, acting line memorization. You'll see a few of them. Mm -hmm. And um, so, some of the free versions are very limited. So, you know, you sort of have to uh, make an investment to, uh, to get the functionality of it. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got a really, a really great question. Can a short attention span influence the listening skills of a character? You know, I mean, it's a it's a wonderful question. And as an actor, that could absolutely be a choice that you, you know, you as you're creating your character, that your character is a specific one that just, you know, all of a sudden is sort of you know gets disconnected to what's going on. The yeah, the, uh, the, yeah. jo the, jo the joke of, um, do you know what ADHD stands for? Attention deficit. Hey, donuts. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, you, you, yeah, a short attention span could definitely influence the uh, the character. And so, look, if the question is more about it, you as a person having a short attention span, and that's creating limitations in your work, the fact that you know you become aware of that, then you, you know you obviously need to uh, begin to develop a process and skills in order to help you stay more focused and one of the best uh, answers to that question is that one of Meiser's core principles is 
you put all of your attention on the other person. What you do does not depend on you. It doesn't depend upon your thoughts and concepts. What you do, how you feel, how you behave depends upon what the other person is making you do. Mm -hmm. And so if you are a person that naturally has this short attention span, one way to resolve that problem from a Meisner perspective is you put 100% of your focus on the other person and you allow yeah. that other person to affect you. And that forces that attention to really be focused. And, that, that, and that's a practice, right? Like that, that's something to, yeah. to really dive into. And I, and I, I think like, it, it might, as, it's, as you say, it might work for the odd character, but if you're feeling like every character you're playing, <laughs> you're having this battle with the short attention span thing, then that is something that you really need to look at within yeah. you, right? That is a personal responsibility to be able to do your job as the best you can as an actor is you do need to have such an understanding of, of yourself um, and, and that, that can be any sort of traits, right? That can be physical tension, that can be sort of um, just habit stances that you have, like like you need to have like, awareness. Like slapping your knees, yeah, I know a lot of like legs. Oh, that stuff. I, yeah, I've, I've been aware actually, I've been touching my face quite a lot, all, all, that, all that stuff, <laughs> like you need to iron it all out and come from a blank canvas and think what serves the character best, right? The, 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 um, but totally the short attention span thing might serve your character. Yeah, uh, to a certain extent. Um, oh, thank you, uh, thank you so I much. What a lovely that. comment. Yeah. Thank you. Does, um, does this shut off automatically at one hour? It doesn't. No, 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 no. We're, I, I, think, I think we're. I think we're good, unless unless the powers that be at Instagram know something more than us. I don't know. Um, but yeah. So where can these people, Jared? Just just sort of rounding up our wonderful discussion tonight. Where are places where they might want to start looking to develop further into the world of Meisner? Like for for me. Uh, I've got this book sitting right next to me, actually. I didn't pre-plan that. It was just sitting right next to me. Um, I, I love this, Sanford Meisner, on acting. Um, I think the introduction of the book is, is him explaining how he started to try and write a book and then just drove himself mad to try to write a book. <laughs> or, um, I, I, I can't remember that's, that's, that is him saying that at the start of whether it's an anecdote of him, of him saying he sat down to write about his technique and he realized, nah, I just need to be in a room and doing it with people. I'm not sitting and writing it down. Um, I'm wasting my time. So somebody else kind of observed his lessons and his classes and started writing about it. And it really is, yeah, just, just an eye opener. You feel you're in the room with him sort of learning step by step as these actors are, are getting up and, and, and uh, you know, he's, he's got a very low tolerance for um, <laughs> any, in his eyes, I guess, stupidity or um, yeah. you know, bad choices that the actors make and that always makes for an entertaining read but you really start to, to, to learn about his his craft and his technique and how he was able to pass on his expertise to these actors um, also on the YouTube the book just just oh, staying, yeah, on the, yeah. staying on the book uh, yeah learning the the concepts and the ideas from the book are wonderful right it gives you a good solid base but trying to learn how to apply it just by reading is never going to it's never going to fly, right? So you, you have to do some research and find local teachers, obviously, with, um, you know, the availability of online classes. Now, you know, the world is available to you. But, you know, when, when, once things open back up, um, hey, uh, Russ, thank you. Appreciate that. Uh, Thanks, once Russ, things thank uh, open back up, uh, finding a local acting school that explores. Uh, but I'll say this, be, be cautious who you give yourself over to because there are some teachers that have never really studied they've only read the books and their approach to teaching it 
is not authentic. And I'll give you one example that I experienced. Uh, I went and took a class of a guy that had claimed to have studied with Meisner. And when he was teaching the repetition exercise as a foundation in one of the first classes, what he did was he actually printed pages from that book, Adam, that you just showed. Mm. And he, he highlighted in yellow and pink the two lines of one of the examples of the students in the class. And he handed us, me and another actor, those pages. And he told us to read those lines, the yellow and the pink highlighted lines, and told us how to say the lines. And, and I, this was after I had studied Meisner in New York.